and welcome to the Politician Podcast. I'm your host, Kresh. And I'm your host, Shalin. So we begin today's episode with a lot of updates. Um, new things didn't really happen in this week in terms of politics. Mostly they were just tied back to the stories we have been talking about a lot. But let's start off with Russia and Ukraine like we always have for the past two weeks. So now Kiev is saying that there's difficulty in negotiations between Russia and Ukraine. Russia is trying to deter Sweden and Finland, which uh, earlier this week said they were thinking about, or at least in process of, in, in terms of Sweden, they were in process of joining NATO membership by June or by the summer, sometime in the summer. And Finland said they're in discussions or the government is uh, thinking about it with a lot of heavy weight. So it's a major step from their neutrality position. The West has tightened its stance on the whole crisis. Um, you know, we all thought, at least I personally thought, the West was going to be like a little bit broken down, but the sanctions are not working. They would try to negotiate with Putin. But no, the West has hardened its stance, actually, earlier this week. Uh, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, visited uh, Zelensky and in Ukraine, in Kiev. He walked around Kiev. He had a bilateral meeting in person in Kiev, which, was, which came as a surprise for a lot of people. So, yeah, they've affirmed their stance that we are with Ukraine. We don't support Putin. Uh, as much as I personally disagree with that stance, that you know, that's that's something good to see that politicians at least stay on their stance for once in their life. Um, and um, on top of that, Britain has recently sanctioned Russian separatists uh, that are backing up the Russian forces. There, are, there is a lot of Russian separatists. I don't. I, sometimes people forget that in Ukraine, places like Ukraine and other former Soviet states. There is a lot of separatists who want those, at least parts of those states, a lot of Russian-speaking population wants to be assimilated back into Russia because they feel like they're more uh, culturally tied to Russia than they are with Ukraine or uh, other Soviet state, whichever state they may live in. Hungary, though, is the odd man out. It has broken its rank with the EU and NATO. It's part of both organizations and has decided to buy Russian gas. I think it was gas. It might be oil. I'm pretty sure it's gas in rubles, Russian rubles, as Vladimir Putin has said earlier. Um, and the last story is really bad. There's now come out reports that women and young children are being sexually harassed in Russia. So I'll begin off with this, the last thing, the harassment of women and girls. I honestly, no, I'm not even going to take a political stance on this. I'm going to say very clearly, that's not right. You know, that's, that's extremely disgusting. Why? I, like, I, it makes me ask the question, why? What, what do you gain out of harassing these women and children who have not done nothing, nothing to you? Like, they haven't done anything to you. They're not part of this war. It's Ukrainian government versus Russian government. It's NATO versus Russia. Like, what are these Ukrainian girls, women, what are they doing to you? I don't care who was responsible for it. I'm pretty sure media claims it was Russian soldiers. Doesn't matter. Even if it was Russian soldiers, I strongly condemn this. I like this is this is too disgusting for me to even say anything about other than the fact that why? Literally why. Um, what about you, Shalom? What is your stance on the whole thing I just said? the sexual harassment part well yeah uh i don't even think there's been a rise in sexual harassment in russia i think it's just getting filmed like there's been there's definitely been problems in terms of like eastern europe and how they treat women and children and i think it's very good that it's starting to come out to western audiences around the world and around the world to see the true reality of how russians how russians are in their daily lives 
Um, um, I should be more clear. It's not about Russians. It's talking about Ukraine inside Ukraine, not inside Russia. Oh, the yeah. the harassment of Ukrainian women. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I think that really just faces the the reality of war, and like it, it's incredible. I, like I condone the situation entirely. I I think it should be stopped, and it's just disgusting how people, like soldiers, are harassing women just for the fun of it. It's like the whole spoils of war. Like what? That's a that's such a like I don't I don't like to use profanity, but that's literally the most stupidest shit I've ever heard. Women yeah, we and can't children have that, are, this in like twenty twenty two now. They're not your honestly. spoils of war. They're people. Women and children are not your spoils of war. This is literally the most disgusting thing I've ever read. Harassing someone for the fun of it because they're supposedly your spoils of war. No. They're humans. Like, stop. This is stop this disgusting and horrific thing, please. Like, I don't. I don't even think this is a political argument. It's like generally universally recognized, whether you're left or right, conservative or liberal. Stop. You, you're not supposed to treat people in such a disgusting manner. Right. I completely agree with you on that. So, now on Russia, threatening Sweden and Finland from or deterring, trying to deter them from joining NATO. Um, I agree with the Russian government's stance in this. Um, I think right. they should be. I, I think they should be trying to deter Sweden and Finland. Here's why: um, it's it's a matter of their national security. Uh, the whole reason for, these them, two, for, for Russia. Russia, yeah, it is for Russia because it's the whole proposition of Ukraine. The whole reason the whole Ukraine invasion and the Ukraine crisis even started uh, was because. Uh, Russia's national security interests were being crumpled by the West who's keep piling on pressure on Ukraine. Ah, join NATO, join this. Like, yeah, we can argue how much Ukrainians wanted to join it. Uh, supposedly, there was a majority of them that wanted to join NATO. Uh, th- there was the majority because it's a free country. It, <laughs> the it was people a, have voted. It was a majority, but there was those that weren't, they, they didn't want it. They weren't accommodated in it. So you yes, know what I'm were. saying? There was a good amount of people that didn't want to vote. I mean, that didn't want to uh, join NATO, and that was taken accounted for. That, what I mean by that is, yes, it was taken accounted for though in the polls. I'm let me clarify on my statement. What I mean is that then they were like, let's join NATO, and it was done in a way where it was favoring the majority. Yes, I know that's how democracy works. But at the same time, you got to recognize in an extremely unstable area like Eastern in Europe. You got to try to accommodate to everybody. You know, you know, you all kind of understand what I'm saying. If even if the people didn't want you, give them a reason why they should change their mind and why they should support you. And and in terms of NATO, what they could have done is they could have been like to Russia, "Hey, buddy, I know they don't call Russians buddy, but speaking simplific- uh, simplifying it, it down, yeah, they could have been like, "Hey, buddy, this is Ukraine is joining us. We will promise that Ukraine can't do this and this and this." So it doesn't undermine your national security interests. And then see what Russia says. You know, work it out as a as two parties. Because Russia has equivalent right to its national security as NATO and as Ukrainians have the right to decide if uh, they want to join NATO. An overwhelming amount of Russians don't want Ukraine to join. And yeah, they can't interfere in what Ukraine is doing. But if it's affecting their national security, uh, at least their concerns should have been addressed by NATO, in which case they weren't. And that's the whole reason why I pretty much blame this whole whole war on the United States and NATO, um, in my thing, and not, none of it on Russia because it's more a national security problem for Russia, which they're addressing in war. Now we can argue if their action was right or wrong, and go in a little bit of detail about that some other week. But I think overall Russia's stance on Ukraine should not join NATO. It's 
it's more for the national security interest rather than personal interest. I think we have to realize that. I think the media is often like, oh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Oh, my God. No, like Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah, but it didn't invade it because it was uh, Putin was just like, ah, you know, I'm tired of watching these sports matches. Let's go invade Ukraine. It's uh, fun. Uh, No, he he was like, well, my country is in trouble. He's a leader. He has to do do what a leader does. He has to take into account his own people. He's like, look, it undermines the national security of my own government. I don't think Putin is taking account of his own people. I think he is. No, he's not. He's doing it for himself. I don't think so. I don't it's, think it's so. fucking Putin. No, he he does it for himself. He does it for his like, he does it for his government. Like he yeah, doesn't care his, about the people. He knows that Russians and Ukrainians are interwoven together. Actually, in theory, they shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. They should have just been fine. If it's in Ukrainians' protection, if it's in Ukraine's hands to join NATO, then let them join NATO because it's also Ukraine's national security. Like Russia has nothing to do with that. I agree, but say it's it's like the whole. Uh, situation of if the United States and Mexico are having some problem and somebody keeps and it's like Mexico is like, oh, join our military alliance. If the United States does something to you, you don't agree. You can go threaten the United States collectively as a group. Do you understand? Russia's yeah, because national that's, security. That's fine with Russia. I mean, Ukrainians' national security. Like, you, you have to I'm take saying, that into account as well. Isn't Russia I, a bigger military threat as well? I agree. I agree. We have to take everybody into account. And that's exactly what I'm saying. I think the whole, this, I'm blaming the whole process of Ukraine integration into the EU and NATO. I don't like the process. I think the process was extremely badly flawed. Um, it wasn't done the proper way, in the way that addressed everybody's claims. So this is literally how fighting and war happens. People's claims don't get addressed, and then they're like, we have no option but to turn to violence. I don't like violence. I'm going to repeat what I've said uh, last time. I do not agree with violence. I, yeah. I, I would have hoped that these two countries would have come to it diplomatically, but now that it is there, I personally think the whole outcome or the Russian reasoning behind war is literally national security. I don't think Putin has some personal problem. That's my stance. We can agree to disagree on that. And as well, for okay, that's respectable. But Sweden and Finland, it's the same thing. It's Russia's national security. They can try to deter Sweden and Finland. You know, as much right, Sweden and Finland have to join NATO. Russia can be like, yeah, you don't join NATO because we don't want it. You know, it's it's like what what so. Let Wait. me clarify. Let, let me let me explain. It's because it's gonna it's, it's gonna sound weird out of context. What I mean by that is, really simply, Sweden and Finland want to join NATO for their national protection. They're extremely close neighbors of Russia. Russia doesn't want them to join because it loses a traditional uh, neutralized person, and the West or NATO gets a lot more power. The Russian doesn't want that. It's like the balance of power scenario. So Russia has an equal right to say we don't want it now. Do they Wait. have an okay? Let me let me say this. Again. Okay, so there's I'll simplify there's two sides there's the there's NATO or the, the European Union and the country that wants to join it. There's two sides, right? Yes, okay. So let's let's take um Finland for, for an example. So Finland says, Yes, I want to join NATO. Okay, and then NATO says, yes, you can join NATO. So, shouldn't Finland join NATO because they want to join NATO and both sides are saying yes to that? They should, but if there's another country like Russia, who's an extreme close proximity to Finland, it's like, we don't want this to happen. Well, that's too bad. That's not, well, that's exactly how wars break out. You can't tell Russia it's too bad. 
they have to also care about their national security. Putin can't sit on his hands and be like, well, what ah, will you know, NATO do to Finland Russia that impacts their national security? What will NATO do to Russia? Position yeah. their troops on Russian borders? National no, they security won't. Problems? Yes, they will. Yes, they, if, if right. a country... Where's it... <laughs> All right, name one example of how like NATO's been intimidating Russia. Intimidating? Well, yes, right th- now, th- if, if they don't like what Russia does or an action, they literally just outright sanction them. And they have so much countries that it gives them a huge leverage. And it gives Russia doesn't even give them a right to make their point. They're like, ah, Russia, you don't agree with us. We have it's more Russia who is lining troops on Ukraine and Belarus. Well, Belarus has actually given Russia permission to do so. So if well, two governments yes, agree... But- He's and, using that in like he, he's using that to border Poland and Ukraine. So I mean, yeah, is that, Belarus is, is that, there. It's been a close tie, but you get what I mean. Russian forces in Belarus yeah. to border Poland. In, indeed, but that the troops are not on the Polish side of the uh, territory, right? They're on yeah, they're the Belarusian side. side. They're lining Correct. together. It doesn't mean that they're invading. It just means that they're bordering troops. NATO's not doing the same. They do have plans to. They have historically no, they done that. They have. What, what's the plan? Done. Okay, tell me why would NATO? Why is NATO in all of a sudden aggressive expansion mode or has been for the last few decades? It was like in uh, NATO started. These call countries were like, yeah, Western Europe and United States, let's go. And they were like, ah, oh, let's add this person, this person. We all share values. Um, NATO's whole purpose is NATO is a military alliance. Do you both agree on that? Yes, I agree on that. And only one time has NATO been activated, which was after the 9-11 attacks. Yep. And United States was attacked. NATO was like, yep, we all go into this war of terror uh, fighting because we're all buddies and we're all natural military alliances. Yeah. And so you see, I see like Russia, the problem, the reason I say that's different than Russian troops being uh, amassing on Belarusian border uh, portraying to Poland, uh, Polish Belarusian border, Russian troops on the Belarusian side, um, and difference between NATO uh, ask allowing Finland and Sweden to join Ukraine is that NATO has more countries. It's a more close, tied up alliance. If Belarus tomorrow says nope, we can't do anything. You're not allowed to put troops. Russia will back off. Or they I don't think they out- will. I really don't I, think they will. I Belarus is nothing. Lukashenko has actually. Let me clarify. He has downright been aggressive to Putin sometimes, and Putin has not removed him from power. So I don't know, or stage a coup against him like the West wants to do. So I like it. It seems pretty clear to me. These both countries, yeah, they can have disagreements, but they at least know how to work them out peacefully. At the end of the day, these two leaders realize, yeah, Vladimir Putin realizes that Lukashenko is his ally in Europe, and they both have to work out their different differences diplomatically, and they do that. But coming yeah. to the point, a uh, topic at point. What I'm saying is, yes, this is a two-party matter. NATO and Finland, Finland wants to join NATO. NATO says, yeah, come on in. They do their obligations. Finland is in NATO now. But if a a third country like Russia is now, like, we don't want that to happen. You know, it's not a too too bad, too sad scenario, Sheldon, like you're saying. They don't have to listen to Russia because, but at the same time, it's probably in everybody's best interest to listen to Russia. I'm not saying NATO should do this. If NATO doesn't do this, NATO is a liar and a bad thing. No, I'm saying is NATO probably do this because that's how conflict started. That's how the whole Ukraine-Russia crisis began because they didn't take into account what um, Vladimir Putin and his government and the Russian uh, 
yeah, Russia wanted as an overall. They didn't want Ukraine to be part because it, they, they, didn't, they didn't trust NATO enough. And if there's a problem between that mutual trust, they need to work it out diplomatically instead of what NATO did was re-aggressive. They were like, too bad, too sad. That's not how diplomacy works. Wait, that, that's my wait, whole problem. Okay, wait, wait. So, okay, NATO isn't being aggressive if a country willingly wants to join NATO. It's not. But if a country has a problem with another country joining NATO, it's not a too bad, too sad scenario. NATO yes, it least- is. It's, it's, it's one country joining NATO. Like, that's not the other country's problem. See, this is this is a topic. It's like, uh, there's no right or wrong in this topic. There, there really isn't. It's like a very delicate line between power and balance. Is it a country's sovereignty that matters more? Or is it another country's national interest? Those are both important. It's Russia's national interest for Finland's sovereignty. Which one would you choose? Yeah, I really don't think Russia's natural interest is important in terms of Finland joining NATO. I think I think it is important. I think even it's important to Finland or important to Russia. It's important to Russia, and it should be taken into account because Finland is in such close proximity to Russia. It should be taken into account if a country that borders Finland, or I think Russia borders Finland to some degree, if they have a problem with Finland joining this military organization. Can this military organization work out something with that nation as to not cause future escalations? Yes. Military yes, escalations. They should. And we, I think you can both agree that at least I personally think NATO should wor- be working together with Russia to say, look, Finland wants to join. And if they want to join, we're going to allow them to join. Uh, or, you know, we're not going to allow them to join or whatever their stance is. And if we allow them to join or if we allow them to do this, where do you draw the line as affecting your national security? Be like a very open talk, talk with Russia and be like, okay, Russia and NATO go back and forth and negotiate. And until they negotiate, Finland doesn't get to join NATO as to not cause any military escalations, more military escalations in Europe. That's, that's, my, that's my personal stance on it. So, I mean, it's a two-party thing. I think uh, if both parties agree that Finland should be able to join NATO and regarding like Russia's aggression. I think it should be that like, it it should be, it's justified that like more countries are willing to join because they don't want to have, they don't want to have the same fate as Ukraine. So yeah, I think. I think we have to analyze Ukraine from a perspective. We analyze it often from a Western perspective, like ascending from the West. No, I uh, think the Western perspective is right. You are invading Ukraine, man. The third most powerful military invading just like a sovereign country. Like, that's not right. That's not right in terms of Russia's natural national interest. What about Ukraine's national interest? What about the West national interest? Actually, what about like continuing the peace that we've had for so long? Oh, and I'm going to refute your claim. What about the national interest of Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen? The West well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I do contend those attacks actually. The West was wrong in that effort, but I'm talking about Ukraine right now. What I'm saying is the best cat, the West cannot treat you, Ukraine as a belligerent and as an aggressor. Uh, sorry, did I say Ukraine? The West cannot treat Russia as the sole aggressor of the war when they're equally responsible. They have gone and invaded countries whenever the hell they feel like it. They're like, ah, our national security, terrorism coming from these That's countries. True. They don't want to negotiate with us. Well, too bad, too sad. We're stronger. Boom, boom, boom. What, what is the difference in the West doing it and uh, uh, Russia doing it now? No difference. And if you support the West doing it in Afghanistan, Yemen, and other places, I, don't, I think you should support what Russia is doing right now because there is no difference. It's just two yeah, different there, countries. There is no difference. You're right. And I think in those scenarios, the, what the West did, I personally think that was wrong. And in this scenario, I think what Russia is doing, it's 
it's wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's right, but I'm not gonna say it's wrong either. I'm gonna say it's like a middle path. Wait, that's just reverse of what you were trying to say before. It is. I okay. You're an imperialist I, for Russia. I'm not a Russian imperialist. I I I I'm gonna say my stance on this whole scenario. In that scenario, this scenario is really same. I don't think what the Okay, let me clear up. I don't think what vested in uh, Yemen and all those other places was wrong, but it wasn't necessarily right either. Okay? If it, you, I can see both sides yeah. of the coin. I can see both sides of the coin here. Let me change up my statement to better accommodate what I'm trying to say. Um, I misspoke earlier. And what I think is we need to look at diplomacy. I'm going to urge diplomacy again. Like right now in this conflict, I urge diplomacy. I urge uh, ending of all hostilities. But in the end, it's Russia and Ukraine's uh, Russian, Ukrainian, and NATO involvement, and I'm not the one who should be telling Russia or anybody else what to do. That's my point of view. They are old enough, quote unquote, old enough or smart enough to decide what they want for their own national interests and what their own people want. That's up to these nations and their governments on how they work out their differences. Now on Hungary. Hungary, okay. Hungary joining, or Hungary going against the ranks of NATO and everybody. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Knowing that they just elected like a pro-Russian prime minister or president, I think it's fine. Like just buying Russian goods. It like... Although it may like disobey NATO and stuff like that, it really is in the matters of Hungary. And uh, there's a lot of pro-Ukrainian people out there that are really mad that a person, uh, like I forgot the PM. Uh, yeah, it's his name is Orban, I think. Orban. Oh yeah, Orban or yeah. Orban. Like a lot of Ukrainians are mad that Orban is prime minister, which I think, like you know, I think they kind of deserve to get mad, but. At the same time, I, it's like I think he he was elected democratically, so that's he what was. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm that's I, I disagree what, with that. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's but, what Hungar- Hungarians want. Yeah, know. yeah. They they wanted that prime minister, and you know, like let them have it. It's really it really shows like the reality of like, oh, let's have let's have it let's have a democratic election unless the person that is running disagrees with me. But yeah, also um. Yeah, I think it's just fine that they're just buying Russian oil, just like that. Um, yeah, so I agree with their stance, particularly. And was it Russian oil or was it Russian gas? Just to confirm. I, I think, think it was I, Russian gas. I misspoke. That's what I have in my notes here. It was Russian gas. If it was Russian oil, whatever. Me and Shalin are talking about the whole purchase of uh, energy from Russia. Energy purchasing, whether that's oil, gas, or some other form. We are not quite uh, sure on what that was. So I definitely agree. You know, Ukraine has the right to be mad, but they don't have the right to interfere in what Hungary does because sovereign nation, their own policies, that's what their people want. Their people want the current PM because I personally feel he's done a lot of good for Hungary, much good than the previous administration before him did. And he deserves to be the PM because he genuinely cares for what Hungarians want and not for his own uh, policies. So I think the current current PM of Hungary is a pretty good person. Pretty good politician, pretty good person overall, and that's my personal opinion. Um, anyways, let's moving on to the French presidential elections. Updates. So Marie Le Pen and Macron are the top two candidates for the uh, 
elections like we expected. They both won, which is super good. And Macron still has the upper hand in the opinion polls, but Le Pen is not that far behind. And there's still a lot of, uh, so a lot of people in the previous election round did not vote. I think it was only around 20, I don't remember. It was in the lower 20 It was a very low majority or minority. So just for some context, around 48% of the French currently people living in France can vote in the election. They meet standards. And of that, I think it was in the lower 20% that actually ended up voting. So less less than half of the eligible population voted, which is kind of bad. So, but yeah, so it's enough if, some of these people want to switch to Marie Le Pen's side. It's probably enough to change the tide of uh, the elections next next round, which is going to happen on April 24th. So it's going to be interesting to see what that happens. Uh, me and Sean really don't have anything to discuss about it. It's just It was just a more of an update on the election. Um, so we're going to move on to the Pakistan uh, political crisis. A result came out of that whole thing. Uh, PM, the previous PM, Imran Khan, uh, was forced out of office through a no trust confidence uh, vote. A lot of his cabinet members resigned. A lot of his, uh, a lot of supporters of his parties that were in the Pakistan National Assembly resigned. They resigned in masses. Actually, they yeah. called they called the opposition pretty much terrible people. I don't remember what was the exact terminology used by them, but they resigned in masses and. And Ron Khan was removed. Uh, there's a lot of rallying and protest happening in um, Pakistan as we speak, as because people are not happy with the result of who was elected a man named Shabash Sharif. Um, Shabash Sharif, yeah. Uh, he he's the leader of the well, he's not a leader of the opposition. He was he was who the op- opposition. He's now the forward. new prime minister. Yes, he's the new prime minister. And Prime Minister Modi from India congratulated him. I think it was on the day he was elected, the same day or the next day, early the next day. I think it was the next day. I think it was early the next day because he was elected quite late in the night. I don't remember. Um, So he he basically immediately congratulated him and said, I hope we can work together. And um, Indians don't want anything but decent uh, relations. That's basically what he said. Uh, yeah, just like in normal countries, like I uh, hope we can work together. But this was a little different congratulatory because India and Pakistan have some tense relations, and this current opposition is not very Indian friendly, even less so than the previous party, which yeah. was quite quite big, uh, anti India as it goes. Um, so, uh, yeah, Shalin, just quick. Uh, well, yeah, sorry. Let me add. Uh, so. Him saying we don't want escalations, we want peace is more of a signature to this uh, new PM that, you know, please don't put forth any belligerent or uh, anti-India policies. We're not in this to fight. We're in this to work together. And I think that was a really nice message from the PM. I personally think well, yeah, the yeah, Indian PM did a good Pakistan job. And not Modi's message. Yeah. So what, what do you think of the whole situation in Pakistan? Imran Khan being ousted out, another prime minister who did not finish his term. Oh my God! So seventy. How long has been Pakistan been independent? Seventy-four years, actually. Seventy. Uh, no, seventy-five yeah. uh, years. Oh, coming seventy-fifth years coming in this August. Same, same, same time as India. Yeah. Ooh, seventy-five, almost seventy-five, pretty much seventy-five years of rule, and no PM has held office for a full term. 
they really need to. If I was the Pakistan people and National Assembly, I would say, yeah, we really need to look into our political uh, constitution um, and how it works. How this okay, is, okay. It's not, it's not um, good. Let me, let me just say what I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, old Pakistan is back. Shabazz is also um, like the son of, like I think, a prime minister or basically people that have been working in Congress. Uh, so with that, like I think old Pakistan is back so which isn't good honestly like they did they did horrible for the economy i think horrible for the people as well there's going to be a bunch of corruption that's going to be back and there'll also be a lot of um protests and stuff so basically i think the country will just like like you know it was burning 10 years ago and it's okay now but it's going to keep burning 10 years after too as well if this prime minister stays in power yeah 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 yeah. All right. Oh yeah, Shalin, I I totally agree with um your point. Um I don't think corruption might necessarily be back. I don't think Imran Khan did actually that much well in terms of addressing the corruption. But honestly, this uh like like you said, man, this uh this political party has been in power for quite a bit of time. So I don't know if they're going to revert back to their old policies, which were, uh, to say a little nicely, not good. And to say a little more properly, utter piece of shit. And, you know, that's literally all they were for the Pakistani people and government. They may have their supporters, but it's not, not large. That's why I think a lot of people are rallying against Imran, you know. Even though he hasn't done much for the economy, in my opinion, he's been just as bad as his opposition at least his policies have been a little less aggressive towards other nations, um, except in the last few months or weeks of his tenure, when he went all up against the West, that, that was that was really bad of him. I don't think he should have done that um, personally. But uh, yeah, I think... Uh, and well, another interesting fact about Shabazz Sharif, the current PM of Pakistan, his brother was also a PM for a certain point, he lives, his brother lives in London now. I don't quite remember a reason. He was, again, ousted from the presidency. One way or another, I don't remember the way. Any, uh, not presidency, uh, premiership. So, like we said, there has not been a single PM in Pakistan who's done their full term, which is uh, quite, quite, a, quite a bit problematic, like I said earlier. Uh, they really need to work out their political sp- uh, system, change it up to... Uh, to see how they can make sure the rules are better accommodating for a proper leader to uh, work in Pakistan and actually uh, be able to thrive uh, ha- and like have a proper leader in Pakistan. What I'm saying is they need to they need to really work on that. And if they can't, uh, they're not going to have a, a full PM like for another hundred years. If this kind of government system and constitution. Keeps running the way it is. I'm thinking. I think. Um, I think. Um, I think the constitution, the government, the police, uh, the policies, the rules around people running need to change, like drastically, to allow people to stay in power. Because you know, I personally feel like with Imran Khan or anybody else, whether it be from the opposition, as much as um, you know, we have our personal biases, and I don't support this current. Premiership in Pakistan. I support the previous one more because of their extreme anti-India stance. You know, I'll say again, 
I'm Indian, so obviously I'm biased. I would want a PM who's doing better for my nation uh, or the nation I'm from than from the uh, than who's doing worse for it. Uh, like this opposition has done worse for it in the past historically. Maybe they changed it up. I, I don't think so. They're still pretty anti-India. Um, really, what I'm, what I'm saying is... Um, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Yeah, so Imran Khan, all these other people, uh, they got kicked out, yeah, because they weren't performing uh, prime ministers, but if they, don't, if they don't have enough time, if they just get ousted in the middle of their premiership, they can't perform, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, so that, that's kind of always ends up being a problem is that you any leader, any place in the United States, in China, in India, if a leader is getting ousted out or voted out by the part by their party, by the people, by anybody in the middle of their tenure, um, that they're not completing the full policies that they had to complete. Like, um, and we oftentimes we don't know if the leader, you know, sometimes a leader might go on a high note when they might have ended up being much worse had they completed their tenure. Sometimes a leader might go on a go out on a low note when they could have been much better in the last few years of their presidency. Um, I can give an American example. Joe, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, he went out on a high note, uh, helping end slavery. Um, and we don't, we really don't, we can't tell, uh, you know, if he hadn't been assassinated, how would America look? Maybe social segregation would have stuck around. Probably not because Abraham Lincoln was in, uh, you know, some historians debate now whether he was a huge favorable towards giving equal rights to Africans. But I think as a person, he might have been, uh, he would have definitely been less brutal than this whole, uh, whole, I was, I think it was congressional or I don't know, whatever the reconstruction happened uh, on the basis of the Southern states, the Southern states running the reconstruction was worse than had Abraham Lincoln run it. Um, I personally feel like he would have done much more better than these people. But, you know, we never know. So he could have gone out on a low note had he completed his tenure. Um, but like like you said, you can never really tell how is a person going to do something and if they're going to do it, um, going to do it properly if they don't get the full time to do it. So, yeah. All right, then. Um, we're going to go ahead now to our... Um, Next section. Uh, so this is a break from our talking and talking. We've, we've covered three stories. That's kind of quite a lot. Uh, we're going to go into our um, media bias section. And we'll be back to you after that short, short segment. Hey, I'm your host, Krish. And today, we're going to talk about media biases of CNN. Now, those of you that don't live in the United States, you probably might not know what the CNN is. It is a really popular news media network. It's, uh, I think it's second most popular. Fox News is the most popular in the United States still uh, for quite quite so many years. They've sustained that position reasonably well uh, over the years. But CNN is up there. Uh, most Americans know what CNN is. They might not like it, but they know what it is at least. And so uh, taking that into account, all I'm going to say is, uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say for their backstory now. In terms of their bias, they're an ex uh, not an extreme liberal leaning side because recently uh, liberalism has been uh, liberalism 
has been more righteous in America, at least. That's a that's a different debate for a different time. But all all basically in the gist of everything is that they are liberal. Uh, they they're more pro liberal side uh, than conservative, like Fox News was. So they, they lean differently on this political spectrum. They attack Fox News a lot in their broadcast. Fox News attacks them. So you know it's like a long standing animosity between the two. But CNN displays CNN is like the Fox News of uh, liberals. But just a little less extreme, if uh, if I'm uh, making myself clear. So they are uh, pretty pro-liberal, and I've I, so I I can't I can't point out examples from earlier than 2021. I've recently only started listening to CNN in 2021 in much detail. Before then, I used to listen to something else called CNN 10, which is a kid version of news uh, that CNN ran, and that news I. That news wasn't more liberal. It was more. It was kind of actually quite centrist. It was still had some liberal bias in there. You could it, now going back to these old uh, videos and seeing them. I, I can see they have a touch of liberal bias, but they were pretty pretty neutral as these videos goes because they were mainly for kids in school. So like news uh, news for kids. Anyways, um, I digress. But CNN, I started watching the actual version in twenty twenty one. When that's when I really just gotten interested in politics. Before then, I was just like. Oh, uh, you know, we'll watch one CNN, one NBC, you'd be this and that. It, but I digress. My point is, in terms of 2021 and after that whole 2020 election, or mostly, CNN has become a little uh, less extreme in my terms. It could just be, and I'm going to address it, a potential reason could be that um, conservatism has taken a dark turn in America. Most conservative uh, politicians are still uh, doing good for America. But there's some, a handful of uh, people called Trumpists who follow Trumpism before their Republicanism. Uh, again, a different discussion for a different time. But all you need to know, supporters of previous President Donald Trump, they have spread misinformation about COVID vaccines and this and that. And uh, Fox News has supported a lot of these people. CNN has not. So I think it could uh, it could just be because of this scenario that CNN is coming out as the more righteous one in my analysis of them today. But um, yeah, so from what I've seen, uh, which is after this whole attack on uh, vaccines and stuff started by these former Trump loyalists, and how the which is after how these Trump loyalists became more extreme. Uh, CNN. That's when afterwards I started watching CNN. So CNN has become a little less extreme in my opinion. It is more fair than Fox News's score in terms of conservatives. But yeah, CNN is still really, really, really uh, liberal leaning. You don't. Uh, again, I stand by what I said last week. Don't watch CNN for your only source of news. Um, if you do that, you're basically not getting the other side of the story. And so if you are, like I said last week, I watch Fox News. I also watch CNN still because these two kind of help balance each other out. Like I said earlier, CNN is basically the Fox News of liberal uh, liberal politics. And so they kind of help balance each other out. And in, in addition to these, because they're still both uh, extremes, I listen to NBC and ABC and all these other independent or some a little less uh, politically leaning platforms and I suggest you check those out if you only want to listen to one or two platforms that are trustworthy and not like me you want to very want to double dip into two platforms to get just one truth um, because you're that you're that part of life <laughs> but all right so that was the end of the political spectrum uh not political spectrum for the media bias section and we'll see you sometime in the future I don't know what we'll do next week uh probably terminology or whatever nonsense that uh, i decide to make up um while writing for the next episode anyways we'll see you next time bye bye
Okay, guys. So now we're coming to our last section of today's podcast, which is the debate section. And our debate topic for today is what should be, if any, limitations on free speech. And with us for this very first debate section we've ever done, we have two additional guests. Um, and I, w- I would like the guests to introduce themselves and tell us about their political bias. Yes, on to you guys. Hey, guys. Um, I'm Rohan, and I'm moderately right. Hello, I'm Atiksh, and I'm also moderately right. Glad to be here. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. And before we begin the debate, like for any other section we do, uh, I'm going to give you some context. So freedom of speech is a really important aspect of any functioning democracy, but particularly the American Constitution, uh, the American Constitution's First Amendment, I am pretty sure, uh, has saying that freedom of speech cannot be abridged for any American citizen or anybody living in America. Uh, and so freedom of speech is basically what allows you to say whatever you want to say without any repercussions. So, you know, you can make fun of a government and the government won't come arrest you or kill you or torture you for uh, making fun of them and criticizing them. Recently, though, in the United States, there have been lots of talks about freedom of speech being limited on online platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those places, Republicans, uh, mainly far-right Republicans, have accused CEOs and companies of supporting the left and unnecessarily censoring people from their party and conservatives. Uh, and But just a quick note, most of the people that have been censored on these platforms have spread misinformation or tried to cause harm of some sort, um, i.e. Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, etc., Elon Musk has revived these talks around free speech recently when he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, asked his Twitter followers if they thought Twitter was a free speech platform. Most of them said no. Elon Musk then proceeded to buy around 90-10% of Twitter's shares. And earlier this week, he has put in an offer for buying all of Twitter's shares for $54.20. Very nice um, number there. Per... Uh, share at which the total value of the shares that he doesn't own will be around $43 billion based on what he's saying. And he wants to take the company private. His main goal, his main argument for doing so is to make the company more accustomed to freedom of speech for everyone, for conservatives and stuff. Uh, he, he calls himself in free speech absolutist, meaning that he will let free speech run wild. So what are your guys' thoughts on it? Shaolin, Atik, uh, Rohan, let us know your thoughts and then I'll let you know mine. Well, I personally support Elon Musk and his uh, purchasing of Twitter. I think that he's been a good start. And because like not many people are satisfied with Twitter, I think just like the, privatiz- the privatization of that will probably make it a lot better. But honestly, I'm fairly neutral in this sense. If he wants to go for it, then he can go for it. But yeah, I'll just pass it on to the guest. What is it? So, Shalin, before you pass it on, what is it for in general? Not so not just the Elon Musk buying, but in general, do you think there should be any limitations on free speech? And if any, um, no. At, okay, so you you would have it that people are saying whatever they want to say, even if that's disinformation or not agreed upon information. Yes, it because it's up to the. I mean, like it should be flagged, but like. If it is misinformation, but like so you're saying, kind of a kind of a middle ground on what as YouTube and other places have done, 
after the Russian invasion, where they have flagged these, uh, like Twitter, I'm pretty sure has done. It hasn't censored Russian government accounts, but it's put a flag saying this is owned Russian. This is owned by Russian state media, and this is owned yeah. by affiliated with. Okay, okay. So you're saying something like that? Yeah, I'm basically neutral on that. I'll pass oh, it on to the guests. Yeah, go ahead. And say who it is first, because a lot of your guys' voices sound the same. All right. Hello, I'm Atish. And what Shalin is basically saying is that he wants, like, things to be flagged down, right? And, like, how YouTube is doing it. And I think that's an okay thing. But Elon, I think, is going to take it too far, especially, like, asking his Twitter followers to make everything uh, free speech and all of that. And taking it private will, like, have a lot of repercussions, I think. And Twitter will become more of a toxic platform because there's a lot of toxic people who can abuse free speech. And I think it should be regulated, like how major social media companies are doing right now. So that's so you, my stance on it. So you believe free speech online should be regulated, but yeah. free speech not online should not be regulated? Is that is that correct? Well, yeah, because um, free speech online is applying to like a mass population. It's not just like if you're talking to someone uh, IRL or anything, you can just talk with the other person. It doesn't really connect to a lot of people. But because of online, you're reaching out to a lot of people and that can have different like uh, drawbacks and stuff. So Atiks, before you go, would you would you be fine if Twitter brought back Donald Trump's accounts uh, and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, who's, I'm pretty sure their official accounts, they were, that got deactivated for Marjorie Taylor Greene, sorry, it was her personal account. And I think Lauren Boebert's official, one of Lauren, something happened to Lauren Boebert. I, I'm not sure if it was on Twitter or some other platform, but if her accounts initially got censored, I don't know if it's still censored. Would you be fine if Twitter or any platform bring back these people who have caused uh, harm of some sort in the case of Donald Trump, the Jan 6 riots? Or in the t- case of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, where they spread misinformation about COVID vaccines, yeah. LGBTQ rights, and all that. Yeah, yeah I think it would be fine. I mean, if Elon Musk like uh, takes company and owns it and takes it private and all of that, and then brings back those people, I aren't. Well, I can't say what's going to happen, but if Twitter, as of right <laughs> now, bring back those people with all their regulations and stuff, I think it would still be fine. Do you think uh, on the moral grounds or on whatever grounds you're judging this topic, do you think not allowing those people like those to be on the platform, do you think that limits free speech? And do you think that's right? Uh, I'm kind of neutral on that as of right now, because there's some pros and cons to that, right? Because Donald Trump, for example, he started a whole uh, protest and everything. So that had a lot of repercussions and taking away is, free speech was, I guess you couldn't make a case that it was right there and banning him from Twitter, but that's also against the amendments and stuff. Uh, all right. And so before we go to Rohan, I want to say uh, additional context. I'm pretty sure there is one Supreme Court uh, argument that's really famous. I don't know what it's about, but basically that argument says you do have uh, limitations on your free speech. And the limitation is basically you can't lie or make up stuff. Like you can't go into a movie theater and yell fire, fire, even though that's part of my free speech. I can't do that because it's trying to cause somebody harm or that's blatantly lying and spreading misinformation. 
I don't know what's the exact terminology used in that Supreme case, and I don't even know the name of that case, uh, but I felt like I should put this forward. Yes, Rohan, go ahead with your point. Yeah, what's up, Rish? So well, what do you think? Should, should there be any limitations on free speech, if any? Um, definitely, like, just all these things. I mean, censorship is a big issue, but definitely if there's someone saying something like hate speech, I think hate speech should be censored. Uh, terrorism should be censored. Um, and and so, sorry to interrupt you there, Rohan, but there's a whole big uh, discussion, which I think is interesting, that people from the Taliban are allowed on Twitter, but Donald Trump isn't. And people have argued, is Donald Trump more harmful or, or is the Taliban more harmful? So that's something interesting so to put on. The, the reason that Donald Trump was suspended is because uh, after he was... Um, impeached for the second time because of the January 6th riot on the Capitol. Uh, tw uh, Twitter banned, tr suspended Trump's account indefinitely because he was inciting violence. He was using his Twitter account to incite violence. That's why he got banned. I don't think the Taliban have ever publicly asked people to do anything like that under Twitter so I think that, okay, no, this came out wrong. The, the Taliban are do, definitely do not spread, um, aren't, they're definitely not as worse as Trump on Twitter, but they haven't broken any rules technically. I see. So are you in favor of allowing people like Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert to come back on these platforms? Yeah, definitely. So do you think... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It's been a year. I'm definitely like look, they like they broke a rule, but it was kind of bogus and it should have they, they broke rules, but they it should have been let's they should have let them slide. Like it's not they okay, suspend them for like a week, but let them come back. It's I think that doesn't drive home the point, right? If you suspend them for a week, there's like ah oh, vacation. Twitter detox and they come back and they start spreading this misinformation and hate speech again. Uh, but so that to coming to the main topic. So you personally, if I'm getting you correctly, you don't think there should be any limitations on free speech, right? I do. Hate speech. Only only hate speech, but not misinformation. Okay. So when it comes to misinformation, how do you know who's fact-checking misinformation? Uh, Twitter, I think, has some representatives, actual people that do it. No form of uh, algorithm or anything, as far as I know. Okay. So, when it comes to misinformation, I don't think it should be banned. Because under freedom of speech, anyone can say anything, right? And you have to know what's... You have to be able to decipher what's right, like what's true and what's false. Because misinformation is everywhere. On That's the true. But the question arises then, and this is a separate Should it be debate. censored? No, no. So this is a separate debate for a different day. But shouldn't Twitter and other platforms that are such big organizations, or at least big enough, shouldn't they be doing more to end this misinformation like they're doing right now so their people don't have to worry about? Because not everybody can tell what's misinformation and correct information, right? Shouldn't they be not everyone should can tell what misinformation is? Yes. Oh, so so, yeah. You see what Instagram did? They I don't think they do it anymore, but 
when someone would spend misinformation on Twitter, I mean, on Instagram, there'd be a, a little uh, caption underneath the post, uh, a little header saying that this this post may contain uh, uh, incorrect information. Do, do you know what I'm referring to? Yes. So the, uh, they had a bot. They, they had a bot to do that, and they would like the bot would highlight keywords um, that so were used to phrase together. So you're basically suggesting, similar to what Shalin said, if, say, example, Donald Trump posts something that's misinformation or blatantly lying, like, I won the 2020 election, so Twitter should not censor that, but inside they should have a little banner saying, this contains contest, uh, contested, contested election ideas, contested? Or con- yeah, uh, election results. Basically a tiny banner at the bottom, similar to what Shalin was saying. Is, is, am I getting you correctly? Well, so already how it is on Twitter is when if you open a tweet that contains false information, if you click on it, the first comment, almost like 95%, of, 99% of the time, it'll be someone saying that um, it's false. Because people, the general public can figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, but my question, can. my question is, but then shouldn't Should there be a header? shouldn't these platforms be doing it themselves instead of having people do it? So shouldn't they be allowing Donald Trump back on the platform and then saying, or putting it on his account or putting it on his particular tweets, whatever they end up doing and saying, this contains contexted uh, uh, election results theory, or this contains uh, debatable vaccine information or misinformed vaccine information. Please check COVID. Blah, blah. Spotify did something similar with Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, if he was interviewing somebody controversial, Regarding COVID nineteen, they have a little COVID nineteen banner that comes up or something. So you're, are you in favor of something like that, and then allowing these politicians and everybody to come back on the platform? Okay, so the reason that people do that, uh, that these social media platforms do that, is because if they don't, they catch flack for it. For example, um, when Joe Rogan was talking about COVID with that doctor, and uh, he was catching a lot of hate for it, Spotify was also getting a lot of flack for it as well um artists were boycotting spotify people were canceling their memberships so i think they just did that to save their own ass but twitter doesn't need to do that but other plat because twitter's like more it's it's really different than all their social media platforms so are you are you in agreement with something kind of what iglan has been suggesting i don't know if he said it directly um, but basically making Twitter like this open forum where people just say whatever they want. Like a Reddit uh, without moderators? Uh, yeah, similar, like without moderation. So if Donald Trump wants to say something, he says something. And then if people want to say that's not true, they can say it in the comments and figure it out for themselves. Are you, are yeah, you in agreement? Yeah, that, that sounds, that, yeah. For Twitter, definitely. That'd be, I think that's what already what it's like, right? Uh, I don't think Twitter has... It, it does like on some Russian state accounts, like Russian, it says this is a Russian government organization or Chinese government or Indian government or American government. It lets you know to uh, whether or not you want to trust these, but accounts. And so, so if going back to the topic, you're saying depending on the platform, there should be, uh, sorry, you're saying there should only be a limitation on free speech uh, if it's containing hate towards one group. Otherwise it, it's, you know, if it's lying or misinformation, it should be allowed to go. But people, and if on a platform like Instagram or Spotify, they should be informed or on a platform like Twitter where it's open, people should be allowed to say whatever they want underneath and figure it out for themselves. Correct? 
just to clarify. Yeah. Is that exactly? Okay. So now coming to my whole thought on this, um, I am kind of like in a mix with all what all three of the previous people have just said. I I personally feel like there should be limitations on free speech in general. Like I said earlier, you shouldn't be allowed to walk into a movie theater and yell fire, fire if there's no fire because it's blatantly lying. It's trying to cause harm to somebody. People could get hurt if they're escaping uh, in a scenario like this and you're doing it for your selfish greed. And I don't even think personally accounts like Donald Trump's Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Lauren Boebert should be back allowed. So particularly Marjorie Taylor Greene has been spreading a lot of hate against LGBTQ groups and has really been like promoting white supremacist groups and their ideology on Twitter. Uh, Not something I personally politically agree with, personally agree with any of that. So that's obviously my bias in this scenario. And Donald Trump, again, personally, politically don't agree with a lot of his statements on Twitter. Um, And but I think because they have been spreading misinformation and hate speech, I personally don't believe people like these should be allowed back on the platform. And in terms of what Elon Musk said, you know, uh, allowing free speech to run wild because he calls himself a free speech absolutist. Um, I respect Elon, but I respectfully have to say that his um, argument here doesn't make much sense, much, much sense because um, so, so you are having an open platform like Twitter it kind of gets uh, rid of the whole purpose of having a Twitter, right? There's already something like Reddit or something else that exists. Why would people want to use Twitter as an alternate to those platforms? So, I mean, personally, and we can, again, if, uh, tell, let me know if you guys think differently, but um, I go to Twitter to get my news or get my updates on stuff. And I would, I would much rather that Twitter censors a lot of the stuff that's not, uh, that's not correct or that's not been proven correct and Twitter censors that stuff, so I don't have to go flicking through and deciding what's right and wrong for myself. That's my personal take on this um, whole situation. Oh, well, you're saying if Twitter does do like a full free uh, speech and no flags or anything, that people wouldn't use it and they would use like places like Reddit or stuff? Not necessarily. So what I'm saying is then it defeats the purpose of having Twitter. Obviously, Twitter tweets uh, people still send out tweets like crazy microblogging has become this sensation worldwide but um, it would defeat the purpose of having twitter in my opinion because then it would just become a platform like reddit where people are talking or a forum like i i I personally don't think of twitter as a forum i think of it as a place to get your news or get your updates and i would much rather have these updates be factually accurate even if that means censoring the free speech of certain individuals who's trying to spread spread misinformation or hate speech are inciting violence in the case of Donald Trump. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I think you, you might be right in terms of like, I guess your perspective on Twitter though. I think like with what we were saying previously, it's pretty easy to tell uh, like, which is like, which is misinformation and not. Also, I think I think she has something more to say. You go ahead and teach. Yeah, well, um, the way it seems to me you use Twitter is just for a news outlet, like to get news about like That's political cool. things or whatever's going on in the world right now, right? But uh, many people use Twitter in like a different way. Maybe as they might use it similar to Reddit, where they just want to have information in different communities and stuff like that, right? So, I think if it goes fully 
Uh, but I, yeah, go ahead. I think the problem is there's a lot of people who listen to what people are saying on Twitter, right? Those gullible people, we're basically letting those gullible or naive people get swayed by this mis- flu of misinformation and people who don't know what's true information or what's misinformation. Let me tell you an example of myself. All the context and stuff I've written in my notes argument for this and any other uh, thing you've done in this podcast have been from a news outlet or somewhere I've heard the news outlet and that news outlet is biased. And I don't know when that news outlet is spreading misinformation, spreading to information. You know, I can only trust a news outlet in this part of the area, in this part of the nation or this part of the world. And in a scenario like this, it's already so difficult for people And I consider myself an educated person and I can obviously tell when somebody's lying, I would hope so at least. And if people like me and people like you who know what we're doing and we have trouble uh, dividing the line between misinformation and true information, how hard, isn't it going to be much harder for those people that don't know the difference between the two sides or cannot cannot uh, differentiate? Well, like Rohan said, I know there's on most posts that spread misinformation blatantly there in the comments most people already figured out and are already fact-checking this information so uh for those gullible people i i would just say go check the comments too okay so i mean we can agree to disagree on it i you should, I you pers- should definitely see what other people have to say before you make any opinions like obviously you can make your own opinion before but you should always like go back and recheck to make sure that what you're actually reading isn't fake like your facts you, you you're reading the facts as they are so um i guess we can agree to disagree i i can see the point that you guys bring up but i don't think this personally that is a big enough of a importance to me personally that i would i would pr- uh, prefer having twitter not censor people but you know we can agree to disagree Obviously, if Twitter tomorrow, Twitter is like, ah, oh, they'll bring back Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. I'm not going to leave the platform. I'll, I'll probably just ignore these people, not follow them or whatever. They, that's not going to change, end up changing my life in any sort. And then the same if Twitter starts censoring people from the right doesn't affect me necessarily. It adds a step of inconvenience now that I have to join other microblogging platforms like Truth Social and whatnot, a nonsense that these right fingers end up making. Um to get my conservative information to fact check the left. But, um, you know, I, it personally doesn't affect me. So that's kind of like my whole bias in this. I, I just doesn't affect me either. Or, But so coming back to the general topic, um, free speech, what is your definition of free speech? I just want everybody to define it and I'll, then I'll define mine and we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast. Yeah, go ahead. One by one, define free speech. And what, what, what does free speech mean to you, basically, according to what you have said now? Well, free speech is basically like one of the given values that a man has, and it's supposed to support freedom of one person or one thing. Uh, I think that free speech is the ability to say whatever you want without get, catching flack for it, like being censored uh arrested uh prosecuted or canceled for it uh i would say free speech is like uh 
a mix of how you express yourself either online or like in person and like um it's like a legal way to express your opinions right and freely without catching any hate for it or any like legal issues with it or just being able being able to say your opinions so having for it. having the ability to say whatever the hell comes to your mind well no not whatever the hell like i said earlier i think that hate speech should be censored yeah okay specifically should be censored like um yeah can you give me your reasoning on that um so hate speech is like it's it's a bad like, all right hate speech <laughs> hate speech is bad because like you're threatening people um like based on the race religion or like their uh sexual orientation and that's not good like you should you should just get taken off the platform if you do that yeah but would you would you say this is worse than some of the other things that uh social media platforms already censored like how they did with donald trump how they censored his um activist or like active movement in the protest or how uh or or how like uh there's a lot of censorship issues do you think hate speech should be the most censored out of everything in the free speech category yeah takes i think that that is what rohan said earlier he he thinks everything but hate speech should not be censored so he's like hate speech is the only thing that he wants censored and I, I can personally see why, because, um, you know, it's attacking someone most of the time for no reason. Um, personally, I don't think hate speech is ever justified. But so in my definition of free speech, coming back to what we were discussing earlier, it's saying accurate truths, saying something accurately and sharing that information so others can learn from you. Um, that's what I base my whole thing on. If, if you're not if you're not saying what's accurate then I don't think you're exercising the proper use of free speech. Then you're basically saying nonsense speech or useless shit that nobody else wants to hear. So anyways, um, any closing thoughts from the rest of you guys, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, go ahead. Closing thoughts, guys. Well, um, I'm, I appreciate your thoughts on this, and I think this was a very uh, insightful way to express it. So... Yeah, grateful for this discussion. Glad to get some thoughts out. And I'm glad to have guests over for this time around. Yeah, th- uh, thank you to both of our guests for showing up and taking time out of your day to have uh, this thank discussion. You for, thank you for inviting us. And yeah, I think this was a really great conversation, especially with like things going on right now and debates of how free speech should be regulated. I think it's an important talk- topic to talk about. Yeah, uh, so thank you to our guests and feel free to come back um, in any other episode for any other section you want. You can, you, you know, the contact details of me and Shalin. You can reach out to both of us. We'll be happy to have you back on a different episode sometime around. Um, thank you to all of you guys for listening to our episode. I know it's kind of, it's kind of been long this time. Again, we'll figure out some, someday we'll find a way to make this shorter to for everybody to listen to if you are interested please follow us on our social media accounts that we will link in the description um 
subscribe to our podcast, follow on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and on Ku. We have we're available on a lot of these platforms. Again, social information down below. Um, yeah, and overall, have a great day and be sure to uh, stay aware and actually do not listen to misinformation. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Bye bye. Thank you.